Okay. It's just temples, beanie. Yeah, yeah. It's just the will of the people. It's the will of the puppy. Daniel. It's the will it right. of the puppy. Yes. To tear this Brentley down. No, he wants to bring the Brentley home. No, you're the tyrant over him. Wow. Right, is that the start of our show? Did we just start? I guess. Is that how we're starting? I mean, I'm recording. All right, well... Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is what episode... What are we on? 14? 14? <laughs> I can't even remember anymore. 14, I think. Which is, that's a good sign that we can't remember. That it's means 14. we've been doing it a, a decent amount of time. What, two months now? On that note, we just passed 500 followers on Instagram, which is awesome. So thank you, guys. And we just hit 100 subscribers on YouTube. Which is also really awesome. Uh, I know it's not like shit. Oh, man, we're 505 right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it ain't shit, like 100 subs, 5 followers, but it's it's a big deal to us, you know? Um, and it's not bad for two months of, of doing this. So we really appreciate the people who have subscribed, Thanks, who followed us, who like the content, who share things, who leave their feedback. Like, Just oh, think you are the OG Brentley yeah. and Dan fans. You're the OG fan, so you're like this the seed of something you know that we're we're trying to build here so hopefully hopefully this turns into you know a community of open discourse and interesting you know sharing of ideas and different types of people coming together from all different walks of life and you know creative endeavors and all that stuff so not just politics not just you know all the, the identity crap that everyone fights about but we're trying to get past that right we're trying to create a sort of community where there's unity mm. in a sense yes and while we have and diversity and all that don't yeah. forget to like subscribe yes <laughs> like subscribe all that stuff <laughs> comments it helps you know so again we appreciate it thanks for love you know, it thanks thank for you it. guys awesome all right let's let's kick it off Brent. <laughs> aside from my singing and um all so that. big news this week guys major major news it's coming out of the trials of these people that they arrested from dc on the six who went into the capitol and got a little rowdy. Um, some were rowdy. Some just walked around. <laughs> so big news comes from this comes from Revolver Dot News. Uh, they're a relatively new alternative news outlets run by this like one so guy. So they broke the story, right? Are they? The they first? broke the story yeah. because they were the first to notice and to really comment upon the fact that in court documents coming out of these court cases that there were at least 20 different unindicted co-conspirators and that's how the, the documents refer to them uh, they say unindicted co-conspirators in one six case raised disturbing questions of federal foreknowledge mm -hmm. so basically folks we'll go through here and then we'll talk about it um, but I want to give it you straight from the horse's mouth of all the questions yeah. asked, words spoken, and ink spilled on the so-called Capitol siege of January 6th. None hold the keys to the entire event, quite like what Senator Amy Klobuchar asked of Christopher Wray. The Democrat from Minnesota asked the Trump-appointed FBI director, did the federal government infiltrate any of the so-called militia organizations claimed to be responsible for the planning and executing mm. of the Capitol siege? And there's like a little clip here. Yeah. I'm not going to play it. Um, it's a really short clip, you know, he just poses the question. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, so, and then he basically, you know, he uncomfortably, was able to uncomfortably weasel his way. Christopher Ray, who's so, the FBI director. FBI director, gotcha. Um, so this is the guy sending out the orders to knock on our doors and stuff. And... 
Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, able to uncomfortably weasel his way out of answering questions directly, partially because Klobuchar does him the courtesy of not asking him the question directly. Klobuchar instead asks the FBI director if he wishes he had infiltrated the militia organizations allegedly involved in 1-6, assuming from the outset that there was, in fact, no infiltration, thereby providing the FBI director yeah. with an easy way to avoid yep. addressing the question one way or another. He sidestepped it. Revolver News is willing to address the matter directly in the following three questions. Yeah. Awesome. In the year leading up to 1-6 and during 1-6 itself, to what extent were the three primary militia organization groups, uh, these are the Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters. I haven't heard of the Three Percenters. I, I haven't either, but <laughs> I don't travel in like super conservative circles. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I kind of moderate conservative circles. I mean, we're, super conservative we're the circles. centrist types. That the we FBI, DOJ, Pentagon, and anyway, had labeled responsible for the siege on the Capitale. Um, were they infiltrated by agencies of the federal government or informants for such agencies? Yeah. Exactly how many federal undercover agents or confidential informants were present at the Capitol or in the Capitol during the infamous quote-unquote siege? And what role did they play, merely passive informants or yeah. as active, active instigators? instigators? And look, we, we saw John Sullivan, you know, you guys go back in our catalog and watch some of that stuff, but... There, there are definitely people put there to instigate. Yes, so if you want a good example, I've talked about it on It's Brentley before, um, and I think we've talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. But John Sullivan... We did talk about You can Google, Google John Sullivan, uh, Max Blumenthal? Um, and he, it comes up, it's called Chaos Agent, Right Wing Blames U.S. Capitol Riot. Um... Well, they, they blame Antifa. Like, Instigator banished yeah. by Black Lives Matter. BLM. So this was, a, this was an article that came out on the 12th. Like This was like six days after yeah. the event. Really good reporting by Max Blumenthal. And he noticed that this guy, John Sullivan, who was at the head of all the violence, who was involved in like literally you know, encouraging the people up there, shouting I mean, things we, like... We, we don't know if he was at the head, but he was Well, he was. There. He was video. Well, he, he was, was video at the forefront. Yes, he was, he, was, front. he was up front. He got in. He, he, he instigated people to get in. He was trying to get them to break stuff, to burn things. Watch the whole footage, you know? Yeah, and that, so he went into a really... This is a really in-depth article about this. He ends yeah. up on... Oh, this this is John Sullivan. <laughs> he ended up on CNN that very night somehow. So... I don't know how. I mean, I don't have those kind of yeah, strings. I, I don't either. I can't just get us on CNN. No, there, 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 so there was foreknowledge. And interestingly, it was on. I think it was with Anderson Cooper, and Anderson Cooper is alleged to be a CIA asset. By the way, that wouldn't shock me. Just, did, did you see that video from uh, Internet I Rumor? Was, I think it was last theory. month, but you Project that. Project Veritas. Uh, they cornered him too. They got him going into his car. Oh, <laughs> they tried yeah. to ask him questions. Well, yes, yeah. Well, I, um, like, so I like seeing them scurry anyway, like, like mice. That was a little a little deviation from the article. Yeah, but you can you look know, that up for but all it, about it serves them. this point that clearly there were interests within there who weren't these supposed conservative Trump supporters who were clearly directed to instigate and to, if there wasn't any violence or if there wasn't any destruction, to certainly push it to that point because I think there was an agenda, you know. Right, so they want to know how many agents or informants were present and what were they doing. And then finally... Um, of all the people that were indicted for crimes on one six, unindicted, 
of all the unindicted co-conspirators referenced in the charging documents of those indicted for crimes on one sex. How many worked as confidential informant or as an undercover operative for the federal government? It's a good like, freaking question, man. You know, anything. Army yeah. counterintelligence, yep. FBI, whatever. It is a good freaking question. That well, last and one so, especially. And now it's like he's like, laser-like focus must be given to the questions above with an unwavering persistence at obtaining answers. If the narrative about 1-6 does not conform to the questions above, the American people will never learn the most important truth about 1-6, what it was, and what kind of country we're really living yeah. in. Because if it turns out the federal government did indeed have undercover agents or confidential yeah. informants, and even embedded. had a hand in organizing this, well, that's what yeah. they're saying. Within the so-called indicted for conspiring to obstruct the Senate certification, the implications would be nothing short of seismic. Because if such agents or informants enjoyed extremely senior level, especially if these agents were at, at the senior levels of these groups, so basically what he's saying is that. If it turns out, and you know, nobody's saying this is definitely it, but there's a lot of good evidence. There's a lot of reason to think there's this is enough to be asking these questions. Right. So yes. that's basically the idea: is that if the federal government was involved in, if the federal government was involved in planning what happened on one six, and I'm talking here about the the violent, rowdy protest yeah. that invaded the Capitol and attacked police. Yeah. Which was and at the front. They, was, they came into the front. Really, there was a whole yeah. other group of people that were taking advantage of the fact that there was a whole bunch of people that were upset yeah. about the election results sure. and that were there to support President Trump at the time yeah. and to hear what he had to say and to not peacefully just, assemble. Not just and support to, him, but they, they had this, this general kind of there was a feeling criminal, that the election was not legit. That right. was why those people were there. Right, and know? under and under the First Amendment, the people have the right to assemble yeah. and to redress their government for grievances peacefully. Yeah. So there is a motivation, there's a motive for people who do not want to hear or do not want to tolerate the 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 dissenting opinions of others. There's a motivation for them to false flag. The event, yeah. well, especially because so the narrative can change. Conservatives are less likely to protest in general, which is interesting. And when they do, they're just less likely to be the type to break and burn things and get rowdy. So it's like they definitely knew that they would have to push this to that level. So yeah, I, I think they had agents in there who were talking to these different groups on social media, and they were probably using Parler and they're on Facebook, obviously. And trying to pull them into this and plot, but curiously, how much did they organize the plot? That's well, the and question, that's, that's the question. Know? And if it, if it was quite a bit, and we know they have a history of this, and we're going to get into that a bit, but so these are all legitimate questions. I think that deserve to be asked. I don't think they're conspiratorial, although clearly they indicate some form of a conspiracy, right? But I think they're logical. They're not crazy questions. And you know, we were there on that day, and and. There was a lot of things, I think, suspicious about it, but ultimately everyone we talked to was just there to protest. And once, you know, we heard through the crowd, because that's how that information spread, that people were going into the building, we heard it through the crowd because no one was getting phone service. We weren't, I remember um, other people that we were talking to, their phones were acting up. So we weren't even getting any information about what was happening. But by the time Trump was finishing up his speech, apparently people were already going in the building. We made our way toward, I think, the field, uh, heading that direction, right, going down from the ellipse, and that was when the information sort of made its way through the it's crowd, like they the stormed, National Mall. yeah, the National Mall. So the information made its way through the crowd, and we hear all of a sudden, oh wow, they're storming the Capitol, and 
at that moment i knew i was like this is done this is over like trump's they're gonna spin this and there's no way like trump's gonna be able to <clears throat> get his way out of this because i just knew the media was gonna take whatever just happened and do exactly what they did with it you know well yeah, yeah. so that's why it's important to know was this you know what they claim it was it's yeah. a, a militia-based attack on the federal government from these three independent organizations yeah. or was this some yeah. gestapo sinister aspect of the fbi using their informants and operatives that they had previously already installed yeah. in these groups to make an to event happen. push yeah. for this kind of event because so they can do what they did Everything well, so, that so it, you know they don't even the they don't even yeah. need to know necessarily why they're doing what they're doing yeah you know like the the the, the whole way that these things are, are compartmentalized we've is talked such about that, this too before yeah the compartmentalizing the need the need to know basis right yeah yeah well then that's my point like everything is hidden behind this wall of of intention where nobody really knows why mm -hmm. they're doing what they're doing until you're at like you know higher in the pyramid so to speak where you can yeah. kind of see the the orchestra yeah person a is given this assignment person b is given this one person c and d and they're all given these assignments they don't always all know what each of the other ones so is doing. So this is like a bombshell sure. story. It's huge. Then there's, there's another thing, too. There's the question of how many of the, say, radical like lefty groups, like Antifa and stuff, were amongst these crowd. And we know that some of them were there, for sure, trying to instigate. And, you know, people like John Sullivan, I think, indicate that as well. So it's like there was this, this you know, coming together of, yes, some radical militia people from the right, of people on the left and Antifa who also probably wanted to instigate things to paint people on the right bad and then the fbi who's in there as well and they're they're throwing their own instigation into the whole event to make sure it goes into a certain direction which uh i want you to pull up the meme <laughs> go on uh go on the uh, instagram you close the tap told you to leave one open oops yeah so the meme you made the other day which really cracked me up i thought it was hilarious yeah, that one. <laughs> so it's like the Spider-Man meme, and they're all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other, and one's labeled FBI, one's labeled Proud Boys, and the other is labeled Antifa, and it's just, it's hilarious. I'm like, and my caption was FBI on Jan 6, be like, you know, and then there was a uh, go to the next one. Yeah, it says whenever government officials talk about going after domestic terrorists. It's really just the <laughs> It's FBI. like all the FBI in circle pointing after it. itself. Yeah, so... Very interesting developments. Um, I'm curious to see if anything comes out about this story too. Um, well, so I have I have a feeling that a lot of it is going to remain classified until years from now, when none of these people will be held accountable. Well, so kind of want to continue to go through it here. Um, it says that uh, not only did the FBI have people perhaps embedded in the organization, so if they did. And let's just say that they they knew in advance that something was going to happen here. If they did nothing, so let's even in, if in the world of like, you know, they this was a, a mess up. This yeah. was like they're bad. Yep, mea culpa. Say you're giving them like some room. You're giving, for error yeah, you want to yeah. you want to you want to say that you know maybe the they, benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. Sure. Maybe we'll give they, the FBI that. Although I because at this point we haven't we haven't covered the history, <laughs> which really shows you why you would suspect malintent. Yeah, but. Nonetheless, if you wanted to say, okay, maybe maybe this was just an intelligence failure, they love to do that. Um, 
Clearly there was knowledge. Well, Clearly they knew they, something There was, was foreknowledge and they allowed it to happen. They allowed it to happen. And there's people who made... So that they could spin it. There's been a similar argument, you know, made about 9-11 as well. And we know that they've had foreknowledge. You know, the other side of that being that they actually orchestrated it. But we won't get into that. The, the point is they knew, right? And they knew. And whether or not they planned it or not, they certainly didn't stop it. So that that leads you to ask all types of questions. And then here they are being sent out to, to knock on my door, to knock on your door. Right after normal folks like turning over every stone, trying to make it seem like there's this big plot that they don't know about and they're trying to uncover, and here it turns out they were probably in the midst of the plot. So it's like, y'all should be investigating yourselves, man. Seriously. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. The FBI is such a bloated organization yeah. that it's totally possible that there are elements within it yeah. that other elements are not aware of what it's doing. Yeah, it's a behemoth inflated with all this funding, and then they just send them all out and to spook, you know. It's a show. Most and of it then, feels like so, a show. I don't so think, they this was, think they're going to find anything. And it's not like it, it's. And again, it's not like this is some wild, out there, crazy cuckoo conspiracy theory. No. Because you know, well, I mentioned before, there's a pattern of this sort of thing. So just recently, this whole like Governor Whitmer kidnapping thing, um, they they basically came out that of the 14 individuals who are allegedly involved in the plotting of the kidnapping to overthrow their state government, at least. Five of them were undercover agents or, and or federal informants. Nuts. It's a, over a third of them. <laughs> yeah, so and it's, it's funny because the old adage is like whenever three of you gather, like there's a Fed present. <laughs> um, and is, that's not enough. Many of the individuals involved in this plot appear to belong to the three percenters group, which is the same group that's now being blamed for the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, and, and so they're the, blaming that group specifically? Well, they're just saying like, over, like, that, the so the, 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 the three percenters were involved in the plot to kidnap Governor okay. Whitmer. Gotcha, gotcha. But, and now they're, they're also saying that there are three percenters involved in the plot to storm the Capitol. Okay, I, I understand. Uh, so, and then it, on the cherry on top, what if I told you the director of the Detroit FBI field office who oversaw the infiltration and operation of the Michigan plot was subsequently granted a highly coincidental promotion to the D.C. office where he is now the lead <laughs> FBI agent for all the 1-6 cases. Here's your reward, buddy. Thanks for all your help. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on, as crazy as it sounds, all of this is true. A full account of the Michigan plot and its parallels to the Capitol siege runs outside the scope and purposes of this article. Article. Nevertheless, it will be useful to briefly flesh out some of the most salient details alluded to above. Hmm. So, and it's just, it, it, it's so weird. It's like the same script they used for, they, they, they just kind of flipped it and expanded it. Mm -hmm. And then, they you know, did, you know this went from the, thing. the Islamic, how they were dealing with the Islamic terror, quote unquote, threat. And not to say that there weren't any radical Islamists, but well, we know there's plenty of documented evidence that the FBI was doing this exact same thing. They were luring in people, radicalizing them, concocting a plot with them, and then catching them in the plot before the plot happens so they can then say, hey, look, what we're doing, we're, we're catching all of the terrorists, you know, we're winning the war on terror, like, look how awesome we are. They're doing the same exact thing now, except they're turning it on, on the Trump supporters. And it always kind of felt like, too, that the agenda was to kind of build this up to the quote-unquote domestic terrorist being able well, to cover trying. anyone, you know, not just radical Islamic people or, say, Black Panthers or whatever, but to cover anyone who is divergent in any way from the government narrative. They want to sort of cast a wide net with that, a wider net, you know. Well, they've been trying to make um, domestic terror happen for a while now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And much the same way as they were trying to make, uh, you know, a LARP for the live action role play of Pandemic happen. 
you know, <laughs> previously with the swine flu. And yeah, they've that, attempted these things. One, mares, this is not a new um, thing. Well, exactly. And it, it's, it's not impossible that eventually they'll get it right. Yeah. You know, they keep trying and trying to make well, it Well, there happen. were a lot of, I think, elements missing, too, in, in these older attempts. Like, tech wasn't as widespread. People didn't have cell phones yet. It was much more difficult to convince people to lock themselves in their home the way they did because people wouldn't have had ways to communicate with each other. But with the prevalence of the Internet and everyone having a phone, it, it just made it more... It made it easier for them to convince people. Like, we got to do this for the good of everyone. But getting a bit off topic... But yeah, this this uh, this FBI story is something we highly recommend people look more into and to ask these questions. You know, don't don't just accept what the television is telling you. Um, on that note too, which related to this, I wanted to bring up this. I don't know if you pulled the link up, Brent, because I mentioned it earlier. But it was this uh, MSNBC story. Yeah, I saw it on my homepage earlier. I, I wanted, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was, you know, it says, you know, the feds, this is from yesterday, I believe, 13 hours ago, yeah. So feds release more Capitol riot video of attack on police, right? Very interesting that this new release of footage comes right after, you know, Tucker does his story about the FBI and, you know, other people like Alex Jones and other people are talking about this now. A lot of people now are talking about it. And next day, bam, they drop this. You could play a little bit. I don't know if they'll I think they'll cut it if we put it on. It's just it's just a yeah. video. But I just I found it was interesting how the newscasters were framing the footage. Right, new images, yeah. what happened during the one six insurrection riot desecration at our capital, the Justice <laughs> yeah. Department today. See the language that they use is interesting. At the request yeah. of NBC News and other news organizations. I'm impressed. The Get feds the straight say news. this clip shows a police officer being taunted oh and God. assaulted outside the Capitol and our usual taunted fair warning. Yeah. Just like what we our watched fair warning, day man. in real time. Time, the images are disturbing. Disturbing. Oh, 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 we gave a little push. Yeah. No, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> I like how these other guys get yeah, this way. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to address that. All right, pause it really quick. So I'm going to try to describe this a bit for people, you know, who might just be listening. So in, in the footage, you see, you know, Capitol, I guess, riot police. They have, like, these yellow vests on and, and helmets. And they're going through the crowd, right, of Trump supporters trying to get, I guess, closer to the Capitol building. And a bunch of Trump supporters are yelling at them. And this is because, you know, there was this sort of turn, especially after a lot of them start to fall back and kind of allow... Antifa and BLM to do what they were doing through all the summer, etc. But a lot of Trump supporters kind of started to turn against the police and say, hey, you're supposed to be, like, defending us and, and, and standing up for the Constitution and rights and whatever. So they're pissed. They're mad at the cops. They're yelling at them. This one guy's getting in one of their faces, and then I guess one of them bumps into him because he says, don't, like, touch me or don't bump into me, bro, and then he pushes the cop, yells in his face, you know, kind of swats at him again, and then some other Trump supporters come in, and they say, hey, stop, they calm the guy down, they're like, you know, these guys work for us, leave them alone, and then the cops get through, that's it, that's it, so this, this is the new footage that 
MSNBC has to drop on us that is so disturbing and shocking. It's just it's like, just a cop getting pushed. Yeah, and it's like I'm not and saying I'm not saying I agree with the behavior of these supporters, but when you look at this and the way they paint it, and then you look at the fact that for months and months, what was happening in Seattle, what was happening in Portland, what was happening in these other cities, and the way cops were being treated in those places, where was MSNBC covering those stories in this way? You know, showing way more disturbing things that were happening toward cops. Cops getting shot at, you know, and getting killed during all of this stuff last summer. And this is what they have. It's not a coincidence to me that they dropped this to try to do damage control on, on what just sort of came out in Fox. And now it all, you know, all the questions are coming out about the FBI's involvement. Well, Bam, we got the feds release more capital video footage. And so, you look at it and you're expecting something disturbing. You're like, this is all you guys got? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tucker, Tucker Carlson did a, a really lengthy segment. He went into it for like 15, 16 minutes on his show. And it got a lot of attention. Um, and you guys can watch that. I don't have it pulled up here. I'm not going to play yeah. it. Well, um, Alex Jones but, claimed uh, he put him on to that story too, right? Uh, yes. Well, yeah. because I think Alex Jones didn't want to break it. Himself. because. Yeah, because as soon as if Alex Jones says something, it's just you know, oh, at, yeah, crazy gets, conspiracy theorist. Alex dismissed. Jones says blah blah blah. Well, it's it's interesting too, like that he's I guess that self aware. Like I'm not saying I don't think he's ever self aware, but to know that he's self aware enough to know that if he were to break a certain story, yeah, it could it could automatically get some, a bad rep just from being associated with him and the way people see him so, so i guess he felt this was too important he was like all right let me put this in the hands of like a major news organization yeah hmm. well it makes sense just from yeah. a legitimacy point of view you know tucker has a lot more legitimate points left um so i'm assuming revolver then broke the story and then i guess so alex got revolver a hold of it broke and... the story and then um you know it, it just kind of spread from there yeah. and when tucker got it and he spread it all of a sudden you know people couldn't you know well actually let me keep going through it just a little bit more because i feel like it's important to get all the details out there so um, the Jacobin magazine went and, and they did kind of a profile. I think it's on Jacobin. It. Jacobin, Jacobin. Yeah. Um, it's a left wing blog. So basically, about this like plot, this plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer, um, they wanted to try her for treason, and uh, they had a plan basically that was, uh, you know, they were they were trying to procure explosives and tactical gear. They were taking part in trained exercises. Um, they discussed things like using a fake pizza delivery to, to grab her, to nab her, leave her on a boat in the middle of Lake Michigan. Wow. Um, so all this, this is like what they're saying that these people yeah. were planning to do. Right. Um, and then the article continues drawing upon entrapment cases, using the word on terror, the Jacobin piece expresses concern that the whole Michigan plot itself may have been the result of the entrapment of vulnerable, cognitively deficient, and mentally unstable individuals yep. by FBI informants. The following passage they, yeah. discusses the pathetic state of Adam Fox, the man designated by the government as the quote-unquote mastermind behind the kidnapping plot. Huh. According to the FBI's affidavit, the Bureau made heavy use of informants and undercover agents in the case. At least four took part, specifically two informants and two undercover agents on whose evidence gathering the criminal complaint was based on, though it's implied that some uns specified number of additional personnel were involved so first of all there's at least four people here involved <laughs> in this plot that allegedly included you know 14 people um 
so at least a third, right? And as with earlier Muslim targeting cases, the FBI appears to have been integral to the plotter's ability to carry out the scheme. The affidavit notes that the un at an undercover agent told the ringleader it would cost $4,000 to procure uh, explosives. Four of the accused plotter, four of the accused planned to meet with another undercover agent posing as an explosives expert to pay for them. And they were told to get some excess tactical gear the agent had the day they were arrested. In court, Richard Trask, the agent who authorized the affidavit, said he didn't know how much money the defendants had on them when they were put in handcuffs, aside from something that Adam Fox had, and he was the guy that was basically pegged as the ringleader. Even the profile of Fox is not unlike those earlier targets. Like Sharif and Hester, Fox was reportedly struggling with money and been on the brink of homelessness after his girlfriend kicked him out of her house before being taken in by his friend and employer who let him stay temporarily in the basement of his vacuum store. It was there in that cramped storage space cluttered with boxes and spare vacuum parts where Fox was living with his two dogs and meager possessions that he at one point held a meeting to allegedly plan the kidnapping. So, I mean, this doesn't exactly sound like a guy who's capable of planning, you know, a vast conspiracy to kidnap a federal official. <laughs> if he can't even manage to, like, you know, keep down a job and a place to live. You know what I mean? Sounds more like he's the patsy who's meant to be exactly. the fall guy, and it's the feds who are really setting up the plot. And it's funny because the article continues, the Michigan plot did not start out as a kidnapping. According to the DOJ's own indictment, the plot started as, get this, a plan to storm the Capitol building hmm. in Lansing, Michigan. And the quote-unquote conspirators would do so by amping up at least 200 men from an upcoming unrelated rally planned at the Michigan Capitol building. Does this sound familiar, anybody? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a rally that was focused on the Second Amendment, not insurrection, by agitating enough rally-goers to run inside and occupy the it's, building. It's the same sort of plot that they did carry out. In it's exactly Washington. what they did. They had. We saw, when we were there, we saw people going around being like, oh, Resurgion, yep. join yeah. us, join us, Resurgion. Yeah, I remember there was a few banner wielders who they broke like, away. Ah, ah. They broke away from the no. crowd and they came past no. us. And they were like, we're storming the Capitol. We're storming the Capitol. Who's with us? Who's with us? And a bunch of us were looking around. We're just like, nah, we're Y'all are crazy. <laughs> Y'all crazy and you gotta so, get arrested. Look, and they did. I'm sure some of them were honestly just people who got sure swept up and swept in up in it the and they're like this is historical yeah, we're going to be were, a part of this great people were day chanting and, 1776 yeah, in so, the rally it was and, and yes trump certainly like promoted the day as this historical thing right and that that, that it was their sort of final last fight it was a trap it was a trap man and it's like we even had people who told us they were like you guys shouldn't go you know it's a trap but we were you know, I was hesitant. I told her, I was like, I don't think we should go, but I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen, I have a feeling something crazy is going to happen. I was just like, we can go. We're not going to do anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, well, but I was just nervous that there would be conflict. It doesn't matter. Know? Then we didn't do anything wrong, and they have to well, no, what I meant was, I thought, like, there would be lefty groups and stuff who would show up and then start clashing with, with the with the conservatives, and that I didn't want to Interestingly, get, there, yeah. were no, there were there no counter-protesters. This, is why, I, this is why I think there were some of them amongst the crowd, for sure, and some of them, I think, did try to go in. Because, look, they, they, more than anyone, for sure, aside from the government, would well, want to paint this group when of I say, people when I say these there, radical... Well, there were no counter-protesters, sure. that's what I meant. There was no, there was no counter obvious yeah. counter-groups. Yes. No. Which is weird, yeah. because D.C. is a very, very blue town. A lot of them, too. With, and, and during the summer, there was a lot of BLM activity. Apparently online, though, they were like telling each other to like well, stay, to stay away, away from, to yeah. not go. But to, well, yeah. where, did that, where did that come from? Where did that come from, yeah. And, and I, interestingly, if, if that's a message that can be transmitted to control 
control lefty groups in an area, what else can yeah. they do? Yeah, like who's put, who's like who's, who's pulling the strings? Who's here? sending the orders down from on high? You know, another thing too I wanted to bring up was the just the lack of of media that was there on the ground in Washington, and I know part of that is because Trump supporters have a really notorious anger towards the mainstream media now so i think that's part of the reason but the other well, part of the was, reason was so but there was media there was there, there was, was a, international media well the associated press and there was independent media the associated press was there and they they were attacked by supporters like in a bunch of the, they weren't attacked their equipment was destroyed and there is footage of that online um we know someone who was there who told us they saw that too happen as far as I know, that is the only incident of any media being sort of like directly harassed that was mainstream. And I think part of that is just because none of them were there on the ground. I didn't see anyone. No, no one from Fox even. Like, I didn't even see, I don't remember anyone from Fox, you know. So, continuing, this comes from like the actual FBI affidavit against these people. Uh, Fox, Adam Fox, this guy that they accused of leading the kidnapping plot, in coordination with Croft, met with members of the militia group at various times in June 2020. During one such meeting, June 18th, 2020, which was audio recorded by CHS2, uh, Fox, militia group leadership, uh, including Michigan resident Ty Garbin and CHS2, met at, second, met at a Second Amendment rally at the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan, in an effort to recruit more members for the operation, Fox told Garbin. And CHS2, he planned to attack the Capitol and ask them to combine forces. So this so was in June. CHS is confidential human source, which means government informant. So this is in June. This is months before the election even happened. And they're already sort of having these sorts of plots, you know, and infiltrations amongst the, uh, the right. Huh. Oh, yeah. This was way... Yeah long ago this is june 2020 it says right yeah yeah so this was the summer of of rioting that's what this was this, well, but yeah no, my point is they, yeah. they've probably the fbi probably has had people in, in insinuated with the proud boys the three percenters oh, yeah, yeah. for much longer no than you're, you're right yeah, 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 yeah. and everywhere else absolutely absolutely um and so yeah basically so it just says you know that they they had it, it describes what they're saying and in the above, the FBI acknowledges both the use of confidential informants and undercover employees over the course of several months leading up to a so-called thwarted plot. Specifically, the complaint acknowledges two confidential informants and two undercover employees. Uh, subsequently to the DOJ's filings, however, another deep undercover informant unexpectedly out of himself, more on that later, bringing the tally of known government operatives up to five. So, um, and then there's a clip of one of the informants actually talking about the plot to storm the Capitol. Uh, I don't think we need to play it. Is it the one with the beard? Um, that Pete Musico? Isn't that the New Jersey guy who was in that other video yelling like, we're going to storm the Capitol? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, not from the MSNBC it's, well, story it's, earlier. You know, I just, I, I don't know. I don't think it's the same guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically they had... <laughs> It says they had 60% of the plot's senior leaders were federal agents or informants. It's just kind of crazy. Like, they're saying that all these people were basically working for the FBI. The FBI basically put this together. And again, this is, you know, historically, this is like something they've done before. Um, was that the Greenwald? And people were talking about this, like, as early as October of 2020. Yeah. Like, I, I pulled this article up because I was reading this a while ago. And I remember thinking, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, and it didn't really become relevant until the 
the comparison of one six because previously I didn't even I didn't even know about like I didn't even think G Liz maybe the FBI was involved in you know storming the thing there until really the, the this evidence came out it was like really good. I suspected I always suspect the government's involved in that sort of direct way but uh, I want you to pull up the Glenn Greenwald article something that. Yeah, yeah, so he says questions about the FBI's role in one six are mocked because the FBI shapes, shapes the liberal, liberal corporate, corporate media. media. Yeah, the yeah. FBI has been manufacturing and directing terror plots and criminal rings for, for decades. decades. But now reverence for the security state, state agencies reigns. Yeah, so yeah, this is a new article that I think you just put this out today, right? Nineteen hours ago. So yesterday. Yeah. So this is recent as well. Today is the 19th of June. Shout out again way. to Glenn Greenwald. We we like his work. We think he's one of the only legit journalists still out there. He's um, got some integrity. Yeah. He's got that integrity. integrity. He says the axis of liberal media outlets and their allied activist groups, <laughs> CNN, NBC News, Washington Post, Media Matters, are in, are in an angry uproar. uproar over a recent report questioning the foreknowledge and involvement of the FBI in the January 6th Capitol riot. As soon as the new report was published on Monday, a consensus instantly emerged in these liberal media precincts that this is an unhinged, ignorant, and insane conspiracy theory that deserves no consideration. And let me tell you folks, if that's what they're saying, it means it definitely deserves your consideration because anything they want to divert your attention away from uh, definitely deserves your consideration. You want to keep reading it? Sure. So the original report published by Revolver News and then amplified by Fox News' Tucker Carlson, which we said earlier, documented ample evidence of FBI infiltration of the three key groups at the center of the January 6th investigation, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters. And noted how many alleged riot leaders from these groups have not yet been indicted. So, look, you, you like Tucker, you don't like Tucker, does not matter. This stuff is legit, it's factual, this is what these documents are showing. These dudes were not indicted, there were a lot of people involved in the plot who were clearly allowed to get away and are allowed to remain nameless and unknown. You have to ask, right? While low-level protesters have been aggressively charged with major felonies and held without bail, many of the alleged plot leaders have thus far been shielded from charges. And I've seen some criticism of Trump over this recently, which I think is legit, you know. They said he kind of threw these people under the bus. He, he organizes this event, a lot of them end up getting locked up. And now a lot of them are sitting there rotting in jail. And what has Trump done really for these people? Has, you know, he goes and he, he pardons a bunch of these freaking assholes before office, but nothing. And I guess you could say his hands were tied. And no matter what he would do in this certain situation, it's always going to be painted as negative. But I think it's a legit criticism, you know. These people, kind of... these people came and they, they fought his fight for him, right? And now here they are rotting in jail. So it's kind of ridiculous. Meanwhile, the FBI can be a part of the plot and... No, meanwhile, not just yeah. a part of the plot. It's there's a yeah. valid and pressing yes. question right now. How was, how how much were they involved in? Were they are yeah. were they responsible? Yeah, because I, I think the question think also maybe, is yeah. is wider because the way that they had purposefully or intentionally uh, denied backup. You know, the the Capitol yep. Police denied backup yes. uh, to the the cops in the Capitol. Like 17 times, I think, was the number. That's crazy. That that day, they had requested yeah. it 17 times, and it, and it wasn't until 
well into the the afternoon before backup even arrived. There's also footage of some of these cops, honestly, just pulling the barricades aside and just letting the people come up closer toward the building, you know? Right. I guess they were just like, screw it, or they were given orders to say, hey, don't engage, let them... You know, just go. And this is what's crazy because I see all these lefties painting it as like, oh, well, it's because they were white. They were able to get into the Capitol. If you weren't white, you know, they would have shot no, those people on site. told them. Someone gave them orders to not fight back. Someone gave them orders to let those people get close and, and I think to let them in the building even. So I don't know. I mean, as, as far as that, like that, giving them orders to let them in, I don't know. But it definitely seems like they were given orders to stand down, to not fight the protesters, and even to let them get closer. So I don't think it's a race thing there. This was a freaking plot. You're telling me the government in Washington, D.C. did not know that this was going to be this big event. They couldn't have foreseen that. They couldn't have made the proper accommodations and plans to well, so protect that's... the Capitol building. When the next day after the event on the 7th, there was a 10-foot fence up around it, bullshit man they knew they knew well and that's that's why it's a scandal because if the fbi knew and did nothing or if they were actively more more sinister yeah, more worse if they were actively involved in planning and executing the actual plot yeah. um that's something that the people deserve to know and it deserves to like they have to know because if we don't stop this cycle of the fbi instigating terrorism and then alternatively stopping it to be like oh look how great we're doing or letting it go off yeah. because they want to manage the fallout which is what they've done in this case sure. also possibly in the case of the 1993 world trade center bombing. and many other incidents 9-11 many other incidents so this is not a new thing you know and then there's the level above it there's you know central intelligence agency but that's a whole other thing uh, i'm gonna read a little bit more from this article so greenwald says the implications of these facts are obvious it seems extremely likely that the FBI had numerous ways to know of any organized plots regarding the Jan 6th riot, just as the U.S. intelligence community, by its own admission, had ample advanced clues of the 9-11 attack, like I just said. But according to their excuse, tragically failed to connect the dots. There is no doubt that the FBI has infiltrated at least some, if not all, of these groups, which, it has been warning for years, pose a grave national security threat with informants and or undercover spies. It is known that Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio has served as an FBI informant in the past, and the disrupted 2020 plot by the Three Percenters members to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer, which you just talked about, has shaped and driven by what the wall street journal reported were the fbi's quote undercover agents and confidential informants yeah so, so this is the guy who broke who broke the chelsea manning story right oh wait no sorry snowden it was snowden i'm thinking of wikileaks yeah no but he's no he worked with snowden he worked with Snowden. so this is the guy who broke the snowden story like this is this is not just some asshole talking out of their their rear end you know this is glenn greenwald it's just like you pay attention to these journalists when they write about this no, stuff glenn, because glenn greenwald is one of the few remaining professional journalists in the world with integrity with integrity he has he has principles i think it's you know? like glenn greenwald and like whitney webb and like you know a, a lot of alternative voices too on like yeah. I, I like a what was the guy drew hernandez is really good um i think there's a, a lot of 
anybody who goes on the ground, I have to give props to. Well, yeah, and, and it's also Pride Month, so Glenn Greenwald's gay, awesome. We love Glenn Greenwald. You're a good example of what we want to see more of in the quote-unquote LGBT community or whatever. Yeah. You just keep doing awesome work. It's not about identity politics. It's not about... You know, trying to be on the cool in the cool kids club and all that. It's just about doing real journalism, telling the truth, right? What is what is really happening, to the best of your ability. And people like Greenwald seem to be trying. You know, I'm not saying they're like flawless or infallible, but man, compared to what the hell MSNBC and these other Wall Street Journal and these other you know, organizations typically give us. You know, we're like lucky to have their LARPing. Like, look at these dudes. Yeah, they do. And look, I, I, we know there are radical people on the right. It's not like we're not saying these people aren't an issue at all and that some of them aren't racist. I mean, I, I, I'm sure a couple of them are. I have no doubts about that. The threat was overblown, right? There is no, no rise of the KKK in the U.S. That's not happening right now. It's not. They, they want boogeymans out there for everyone. And they have their boogeyman too. The media sets up their boogeyman. Their boogeyman is Antifa. Their boogeyman is, is the Black Panthers. Their boogeyman is like the rise of that radical identitarianism from the left, which they're reacting to from their own identitarianism from the right. And we're here trying to find this middle ground where it's find the moderates, the people who are on the right or on the left, who are willing to talk to each other and to not just dismiss the other and say, well, you're just a Trump supporter racist or you're just an Antifa BLM racist because I think some of them are racist too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Greenwald continues, what would be shocking and strange is not if the FBI had embedded informants and other infiltrators in the groups planning the riot. What would be strange and bizarre and inexplicable is if the FBI did, did not have yeah. those groups yeah. under tight control. Like We should just assume that they did have people in And yet the suggestion you know. that the informants may have played some role in planning the January 6th riot was instantly depicted as something akin to, say, 9-11 truth yeah. theories oh, or questioning the CIA's role in JFK's assassination, or until a few yeah. weeks ago, the COVID lab leak theory. Oh, yeah. Remember that? That's a conspiracy theory, guys? Remember that one? As in something that, from the perspective of respectable, serious circles, only a barely sane, tinfoil, hat-wearing lunatic would even entertain. I saw this funny like meme really quick. I, I don't know. I don't have it online, so I can't pull it up. But it said something along the lines of like, you know, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and a fact? And it said two to three months. <laughs> <laughs> this so reaction is particularly funny. confounding, given how the FBI did exactly this during the first war on terror and how commonplace discussions of this tactic were in mainstream liberal circles. Over the last decade, I reported on countless cases for The Guardian and The Intercept where the FBI targeted some young American Muslims they viewed as easily manipulated yep. due to financial distress, emotional problems, or both, and then deployed informants or undercover agents to dupe them into agreeing to join terrorist plots that have been created, designed, and funded by the FBI itself, only All to facts. then congratulate themselves for breaking up the plot, which they themselves initiated. Which I mentioned earlier all factual and we've been talking about this sort of thing for years you know and there are a lot of lefty media organizations that cover this like mother jones is like a, a lefty site i can think of that has done quite a few articles about the well, fbi he, he actually talks about the 2011 yeah. mother jones piece by reporter awesome. trevin yeah. harrison entitled so, the information i remember reading that when that came out which is crazy that that was like 10 years ago now but i remember reading that that from mother jones and so again this is not a new thing people should just assume at this point that the fbi is going to be there and they're going to involve themselves and probably even try to plan the damn thing <laughs> so in this piece um trevor aronson goes on and he asks the question the fbi has built a massive network of spies to prevent another domestic attack but are they busting terrorist plots or leading them 
He covered yeah. numerous similar cases for The Intercept where the FBI designed, directed, and even funded terror plots or other criminal ranks that they then boasted of disrupting. A widely praised TED Talk by Aronson, which, in the words of organizers, quote, reveals a disturbing FBI practice that breeds terrorist plots by exploiting Muslim Americans with mental health problems, <laughs> featured the central claim, quote, there's an organization responsible for more terrorism plots in the United States than Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, and ISIS combined, the FBI. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then there's this uh, screenshot from The Guardian from a nine-year-old article. It's titled, Fake Terror Plots, Paid Informants, The Tactics of FBI Entrapment Questioned. Like I said, this stuff is not new. You know, we've known about this for many years now. So, uh, you know, if the FBI is watching this, and we just assume at this point they do watch our show, you know, we, we see you guys, you know, and if you're a good agent, I hope you're a good agent if you're watching this. Maybe you should be asking some questions about your, your own organization that you work for. Mm, and Turn that investigative yeah, critical maybe, eye inward. May, maybe, you know, some of you should blow the whistle. I would love to see that. I would love to see you stand up. Veritas, FBI, yeah, go hit up. Go hit up James O'Keefe. Go, go blow the whistle on some of this stuff, man, because it's like, are you really defending this country? participating in something like this and then trying to spin it like you were trying to stop this when it happened anyway and clearly you knew about it and then you're being sent out and all of you your agents are going around knocking on our doors and stuff like people like brent and i who were just there taking some freaking pictures and videos and talking to people meanwhile there's people in your own organization who actively planning actively the attack planning it <laughs> it's like you you can't make this shit up you know it's like so again, FBI agents, y'all watching this? I hope you're a good agent. Turn that bad critical one. eye inward. Turn that critical eye inward. Look at yourself. You know, what are you a part of? Do you still have a conscience, or you know, are you going to just be a part of this this authoritarian, uh, totalitarian, bureaucratic establishment that serves these freaking oligarchs and then does this? You know, steals elections, turns the country against each other, makes all the black people fight the white people and all the gay people fight the straight people and just all the women fight the men. So you want to be a part of that division that these games that the intelligence organizations clearly play to keep us all at each other's throats to distract us for, from what's really going on look at yourselves man seriously look at yourselves and if you are okay with being a part of that or you're not going to ask any questions then you know i think i think you're a shitty person <laughs> You know, no, so, not mincing words there. The article continues, the DNC loyal sector of the corporate media reacted to the Revolver News article in Carlson's segment, which raised these questions as though they were posing something that no sentient being could possibly regard as viable. Yeah. CNN, Crazy. which spent years leading its viewers to believe that Kremlin controlled the U.S. government through sexual and financial blackmail, published what they labeled a fact check. They denounced this a, as a haywire theory that is, quote, nothing more than a conspiratorial web of unproven claims, half-truths, and inaccurate drivel about perceived bombshells and court filings. <sighs> as it usually does, <laughs> the Washington Post, which told Americans that Russia had invaded Owned by US, Amazon, right? And Bezos. Yeah. Had the, and, and there's uh, even documents that show that there's a relationship between the Washington Post and the CIA going oh, back to Well, I, I assume they have but their hand in most cookie jars. Um, well, but you, you can like assume the, it, and, like I, and, and I was saying that there was actual documents yes. that suggest a working relationship between them and the CIA. 
Um, so yeah, they which they convinced Americans that Russia had invaded the U.S. electricity grid and that a huge army of Kremlin loyal American writers were shaping our discourse, echoed the instant CNN liberal consensus by mocking it as Tucker Carlson's wild, baseless theory, claiming it's the kind of suggestion journalists and other organizations would quite possibly be fired for <laughs> if they sought to push it nearly as hard. <laughs> So none of you can get fired for pushing your bullshit lies and, and, and the COVID numbers and this and that. Yes, CNN is not being downranked on YouTube. CNN can be caught on camera one of their people admitting that they that they peddle propaganda and that they had a, no a plot to get the president out of no the White House. No impact to their YouTube channel. Nothing. No impact to them. YouTube doesn't remove them. You know, like... Standard you liberal make it blob up, you know? of Huffington Post, Daily Beast, Business Insider, all recited from the same herd script, calling it a laughable conspiracy theory. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, it's funny because it's he says, which is a, a chortled the a laughable conspiracy theory chortled the Huffington Post, who had done more to help the FBI find citizens allegedly at the Capitol riot than any other local law enforcement agency. It's one of the rags. Um, yeah, and here one it shows a screenshot rags. from the Huffington Post article. Tucker Carlson and the far right want to recast January 6th as a false flag by the deep state. No one has to recast anything. Yeah, right. I know, I know. No recast. recast That's what it was. This is, it's, it's, people have, we've been saying this for months. For months. It's, but, you know, as soon as Tucker says it, it's, it's so, crazy, too, that people like Tucker are perceived as far right. It's like, if anything, Tucker's like moderate right. Like, he's not running around with a gun. And, like, he's also an he's establishment person himself to some extent. But radical right. Crazy, man. Yeah, and then he just points out that, like, the one thing that the, that the, the detail that they nitpick, um, that they're all nitpicking, is the fact that they wouldn't call them an unindicted co-conspirator because by definition someone working at the behest of the FBI would not be a quote-unquote conspirator in the plot since they would necessarily lack intent to forward that plot. Their intent instead is to tell the FBI what is being plotted. Uh, CNN hauled out some career federal prosecutor and a current cor corporate lawyer uh, to spend five minutes pretending that this single-handedly destroys the case. <laughs> but rather than some devastating theory-destroying point, this is ultimately irrelevant to the evidence marshaled by Revolver News. While it is true that unindicted co-conspirator almost certainly does not refer to FBI informants or operatives, the numerous references to Person 1, Person 2, etc. very well could, indeed in the case of the FBI-directed plot to, gov to kidnap Governor Whitmer, they were called CHS1, CHS2, etc., um, which is how the FBI which stands for a confidential human source. Yeah, says. we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, yeah. These are common tactics the FBI uses to reference the acts of their own unindicted informants without revealing their identity. And while some of the unnamed but referenced people in the charging documents are known, one is a spouse, for example, several are not. The, the, the questions raised by Revolver News reporting, which none of these smug FBI defenders and guardians of liberal consensus can answer, remain. How is it credible that the FBI did not have informants in these three groups, that they've been identified as major threats for years, especially given reporting that the leader of the Proud Boys, conveniently arrested the day before January 6th, was an FBI informant in the past, along with confirmed reporting that the FBI had multiple informants in the Michigan Three Percenters case? Uh, why are low-level protesters being charged with major crimes while the alleged organizers of this riot and the leaders of these groups have not been? Yeah. Why are the enormous amounts of video surveillance from the footage of January 6th still being concealed? Where's all the footage? They what, just released this new clip. What, right? what, happens, so. what happens to the alleged planting of pipe bombs yeah. near the Capitol? Yeah. Because you know, that, was, that was a story. Yeah. And you know, they, if, if, if and there it was... And the RNC and the DNC that they targeted both. Well, it's just, it's such bullshit because 
if somebody had actually not at the not on behest of the FBI, not working with the deep state, somebody had actually planted some sort of damaging explosive device, they would have found the guy. They would have found that person. They would have dragged him out, and they would have paraded him, and then they would have patted themselves in the back for how awesome a right. job they did. Because they can do that, folks. I think it's, There's it's, virtually no way it's highly, you can get away with that at an event like this with so many cameras and so many witnesses. Yeah. It's highly unlikely they were the ones who were orchestrating that. Highly likely. Well, it's I funny because this, they, they don't talk about the, the, alleged, the alleged pipe bomb. Yeah, that's things. just kind of been swept under the it rug. It was there, and then it was gone. Yeah. And it's like, well, gee whiz, was, that, was, was somebody, was whoever did that working for the FBI? Yeah. So question. that they could drum up the story? And then when they maybe perhaps realized that they couldn't recruit some naive patsy to fall for it, they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this one. This last question is interesting, too. He says, why did the FBI not take more aggressive action given the once denied but now confirmed fact that the social media platform Parler sent the FBI advanced warnings of specific plots to use violence at the Capitol? Also, we know a lot of plotting was happening on Facebook, and we know the deep connection that Facebook already has with our government. So to say that there was no foreknowledge of this is just, I think you're just willfully ignorant at that point. They knew. They knew. Yeah, it says, this is from Representative Maloney, I'm not sure who that is, but committee has obtained documents showing that Parler sent the FBI evidence of planned violence in D.C. on January 6th. Parler referred this content to FBI for investigation over 50, 50 times, times. Wow. including, quote, specific threats of violence being planned at the Capitol. If the FBI had advanced knowledge of what was being plotted yet did nothing to stop the attack, it raises numerous possibilities about why that is. It could be that they just had another, quote, unquote, intelligence failure of the kind they claim caused, right. them, caused them to miss the 9-11 attack and sure. therefore need massive new surveillance authorities, budget increases, and new Patriot Act-type laws to fix it. It could be that they allowed the riot to happen because they did not take it seriously enough or because some of them supported the cause behind it or because they realized that there would be benefits to the security state if it happened. Or it could be that they were using those operatives under their control to plot with, direct, and drive the attack, as they have done so many times in the past and allowed it to happen either out of negligence or intent. Combination of those. I think there was intent. Nobody, well, opinion. so nobody's claiming to know the answers yeah. to these questions, including Revolver News, Carlson, or anybody else. Instead, they're doing the work of actual journalists, pointing out gaping holes in the public record about what we do know and what we don't about an event that is being exploited to launch a new domestic war on terror, prompt massive new police and security state spending, and empower and justify new domestic surveillance and censorship authorities. Anyone not asking these questions or worse, trying to delegitimize them, is a propagandist and has no business calling themselves a journalist. Yeah. Yes, Glenn. Bam! Real journalist. I love you, Glenn. That was a great sentence. But why does this description, he says, apply to so many in the undifferentiated liberal corporate media blob, the employees who work for media corporations and barely pretend any longer to conceal their DNC-supporting posture? One answer is that as a result of the Trump years, they now revere security state institutions like the FBI and CIA and are thus reflexively angered by suggestion that these agencies may be less than truthful in their statements and less than honorable in their conduct. Yeah, pick up a frickin' history book. <laughs> but the primary reason, Glenn says, is that their newsrooms are filled with former FBI operatives, CIA agents, and other former employees of the security state. 
CNN has more FBI agents and federal prosecutors working for it than anyone outside of the J. Edgar Hoover FBI headquarters in Washington. That's nuts. He goes on. When they go to analyze any matters involving the FBI, they rely on career FBI agents and officials to tell them what to think. And you'll never guess what these FBI operatives tell them. Trust the FBI. Only malicious conspiracists wonder if the FBI is lying and has been engaged in treachery. Those who malign the FBI are liars. Here is just one of CNN's countless FBI operatives doing her job. <laughs> Scroll down. What's her name? Asha Rangappa. She said, I don't understand the latest conspiracy theory regarding January 6th. They're suggesting that FBI agents stormed the Capitol to overthrow the government? Like, the government tried to overthrow itself and then framed random people? Oh. Oh. Never. Oh. <laughs> I can't, dude. I can't with these people. In virtually every segment they've done since the Revolver News article was published, CNN, in order to angrily mock questions about the FBI, brings on FBI officials like former Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, who got caught lying to the FBI and barely escaped prosecution for it, to insist that the honorable agency would never do such a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I just can't. That tweet really cracked me up. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, the government did this? The government would attack itself? They would never do that. It's like, where have you been? Where have you been, lady? Yeah. Nuts. It's like Reichstag fire, it's, it happens, man. And 9-11 is another good example. Yes, the government would attack itself or let an attack happen if they know about it, if it benefits them, if it serves some sort of agenda. Whether it's to start a war or, like Glenn says, to increase surveillance you know, to increase control over people, to take power, more power. You're telling me the government wouldn't do something like this to take more power? Maybe some people in the government would, but to just assume that there's no crazy people in governments willing to do something like this? The level of naivety, you know, is, is astounding. And then these people tweet out their freaking ass like, like they're the, you know, the smartest people on earth, and oh my god. Yeah, it says, look at these FBI cartoons. It talks about this guy, Frank Figliuzzi, Figliuzzi is a former. He's a. He was the assistant director of the FBI at one point, I guess, and now he's got a podcast and a show on MSNBC, or hmm. he's like their go-to the uh, for the FBI stuff. Um, yeah. And he's got a book, of course. Yeah, but I want to make another comment too, just really quick before we like move on from this. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there are good people in the FBI who are in it with the good intentions of like hey i'm just trying to protect my country and make sure you know nothing bad happens to to citizens of said country i don't doubt that i'm sure there are lots of good well-meaning people who work for you know the federal bureau of investigation but you know like i was saying earlier if you're one of those people and you're watching this and you are a good person and your intention was like superhero-ish and you got into this because you you wanted to do good um you should really be questioning yourself right now and maybe questioning your fellow agents about what the FBI is actually doing, you know, and how much of it is keeping people safe and how much of it is just, well, this. And also maybe like you know? learn a little history, like maybe you didn't know about yeah. the way that the agency had recruited and used 
uh, mentally deficient individuals in the past. So, yeah, well, with compartmentalization, like we said earlier, I'm sure there are many agents who, who might not even know that this sort of thing exists. I doubt they, or teach, were told I that, doubt they teach that. Or were told, if they heard about this sort of thing, that, oh, well, it's not actually that. You know, here's why we, we train informants, and it's not because we want to carry the plot out. You know, it's because we want to stop it from happening. You know, so in order to stop it from happening, we have to participate a little bit in it and help it happen so we can then stop it. Ask some questions, people. Just ask some questions. <laughs> yeah, some so it says, all the mockery in the world does not make these questions disappear. Yeah. Of course, the FBI was infiltrating the groups they claim were behind these attacks. There may be good reasons why they did not enable the FBI to stop this riot or why they have not yet indicted these ringleaders. But those answers are not yet known. And gullible conspiracists are not the only ones who want answers to these questions, but instead are the ones doing everything possible to protect the FBI from having to provide them. Yeah. Yeah, Basically, it's, it's that's, that's the conspiracy theory, is that they weren't involved in any way, and that they didn't know. To me, that's the freaking theory. Like, I want some proof that they weren't involved, because I don't see anything to show me well, that. Well, we, we, we have evidence to the opposite. We, they, that's we know my point. That's from, my point. We know from Whitmer that they, well, they were involved. That's why Glenn's basically saying, like, they're the ones pushing the conspiracy theory, you know, trying to deny these questions or act like, you know, this this isn't real you know that there's not a legit concern here and this is just an, i pulled this up just for reference but um <laughs> this whole show turned out to be about the FBI. <laughs> well whatever it's an interesting it's an interesting topic yeah. i think we should discuss it uh the fbi agent goaded garland shooter to tear up texas quote unquote raising new alarms about the bureau's methods an undercover fbi agent egged on a would-be terrorist shortly before he opened fire on a texas cartoon contest last year raising new doubts about the bureau's approach to cozying up to its targets this is from august 9th of 2016. um just to give you guys one the intercept which glenn helped and then found. i want to play a little clip uh i had it pulled up this little clip this is from spiros uh Koros, I believe his last name. He has got this video on YouTube. This again is from 2016. It's a video entitled Synthetic Terrorism. Federal Court Upholds Another FBI Manufactured Terror Case. And it basically talks about this Christmas uh, Christmas bomber who was, again, mentally deficient, recruited, and then busted and blamed. And how his appeals were kind of like denied. But anyway, he gets into a brief mention of the 1993 um, World Trade Center bombing, and I just wanted to hear you guys, I wanted you to hear this little clip from Dan Rather. Uh, yes, the World Trade Center attack in 1993. Thanks for reminding me, Rudy. For those of you that are not aware, the FBI was involved in the attack that took the lives of six people and injured more than 1,000 and caused more people damages than the in excess of half a billion incident. dollars. Last winter, the FBI was praised for its speed in cracking the case of the World Trade Center bombing and bringing four suspects to trial. Now, there is some evidence that the FBI may have known of the plot in advance through an informant and might, might even have stopped the bombing that killed six people. An FBI informant named Ahmad Salam was assigned to work with the terrorists who were planning to bomb the World Trade Center in 93. Now, Salam, the so that gets into the history there, but basically he even plays a recording of a phone call that he says, uh, you know, where they, they they told the FBI, this was a recorded conversation that he had with the FBI, and told them that they were building the, the bomb that they were going to use there. So the FBI knew in advance what was, what was happening. They knew every step of the way. But Brent, that doesn't happen. Why would the government attack itself? Well, because then they can use the resultant injury <laughs> in order to fuel a new expansion of state security apparatus and a lot of, a lot of spending, which will end up benefiting the people that are really pulling the strings. 
Oh dear. So, on this topic, since we're focusing mostly on the FBI. Oh wait, did you have another thing you want to? This go is into? just this is an article from the New York Times from okay, 1993. Yeah, yeah. Tapes just to, to show how far back this stuff. Well, goes. Well, this just yeah. also. I mean, this is just. You know, I'm not some random. You know, I'm just not some rando on the internet spouting things that I'm making up. I'm actually citing. Yeah evidence that comes from these are primary sources from the time or secondary sources and you know you can draw your own conclusions about them but like you know i'm just trying to give our audience you know why we think what we think because these are this is the history this is the relevant history and it's important to kind of show that they, you know this is a new york times article and that there's, there. a, there's a pattern it talks about it there's a pattern like, i'm not making this stuff yeah, up there's a pattern to this you know, there's a pattern to this behavior, to these sorts of plots. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to bring up Ashley Babbitt, and her father recently also appeared on Tucker, right? I thought that was interesting. I, I just forgot about it until now, but when he mentioned, you know, the amount of people who died in that, that bombing from the 90s on, uh, on the World Trade Center... I remembered, you know, they keep spinning this whole thing that on January 6th, five people were died. Five people died as a result of the violence, etc., etc. You want to clarify some of this here real quick, Brent, about the, the five people who supposedly died as a result of what happened in Jan 6th? I think we should maybe clarify. Wait, a you want me to rant for a second? Yeah, we should clarify a bit who those people actually so were. Number one, Ashley Babbitt was killed by state security forces. The officer remains unidentified. There's a lawsuit pending. We'll, we'll get to that. Him. But the other ones. Uh, so there were three... No, I think it was four... I think there were, the other four were medical emergencies. So there was at least... I think it was three medical emergencies and then one was that police officer who supposedly like killed himself. No, so the suicides actually came after. So now they're calling, the, I think the new number was seven. Oh, so they're trying to include. They were trying to include two gotcha. officers who killed themselves. We're not going to count the them event. on that day. So it, I think it was four, actually, I, on I, that day. I, I, I think, think five. Five, I think, counts Brian Sicknick, who passed later that night yeah, the from one a stroke. They, the one that they said was beat with the, the First it was he was hit with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Then it was turned out to pepper be false. Turned out to be a lie as well. No video, no arrests. And no accountability to the media for pushing, for that, pushing lie. that lie. Yeah, and also I saw no apologies from all the people who, who posted about that lie. And then there was no one guy, two, <laughs> two, I think it was two, one guy tasered himself and had a heart, a heart attack as a result. Another guy had a heart attack. And there was a third unspecified medical emergency. Yeah. And we, we on the ground, we did see two of those at least play out. I recall one of them was during when Trump was speaking. I saw someone faint and I don't know if they fainted, but they there was a crowd, they got taken away and they on a stretcher and they got put, you know, into an ambulance. That was while Trump was speaking. Like nothing had even I don't think anyone was even in the building over at the Capitol yet. Yeah, so there's there's so. no evidence that the Trump protester people caused any significant death no. if you have a large crowd of people gathering it is basically inevitable that you're going to have at least one or two medical emergencies it happens at, at festivals and concerts all the time oh, just because all there's the so time. many people because there's so many people the odds that one of them is sure of course sort of you know so it's like of course but they try to lump all those deaths together and make it seem like it, it was a result of the riots and, right. and, the, and which the, and it, all this this is it's a lie the only person who died violently that day was ashley babbitt was ashley babbitt and he she was, wasn't killed by protesters because no. she was one of them i mean say what you want about her rowdy behavior in in the building the point is she was the only person who actually died violently and she was shot by a government agent and we still don't know that person's name we're not allowed to know 
who shot her. So it's just nuts. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because I, I think, you know, whether you agree with what she did, whether you like her as a person or not, none of that even matters to me. Um, I think we, we, everyone, we all have a right to know who shot her, right? I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing. And definitely her, her husband, right? He deserves to know. I think I said father earlier. It was her husband who appeared, right? Yeah, I can't find it right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to pull it up, but, you know, Tucker Tucker had him on and talked to him. And obviously Fox News is probably going to be the only, you know, media organization, mainstream one that even does that, right? Brings on her family to, to chat about it. But like I said, you know, whether you agree with the cause of the protest or not, and whether you agree with the political position of Ashley Babbitt or not, and yeah, I know she was like into Q and all this stuff, none of that matters to me, the point is she was an American citizen, she was unarmed, you know, and she, she died, she got shot fatally, and I think we have a right to know a little bit more about that, the circumstances of that, you know, and there was John Sullivan, we mentioned him earlier, he was there, right there, present to capture that event, to plaster it all over the media immediately. So yeah, well, I would love to know if John Sullivan was working with any sort of military yeah. intelligence, especially considering his father is a semi-disgraced. I think it was Air Force. Yeah, uh, we've mentioned this too. Lieutenant before. Colonel or something. We, I couldn't find. We couldn't find much follow-up on that. Well, they, they scrubbed. He's he's been scrubbed. They probably There's just no information. We, we should dig though and see if we can find anything else on that. I've, I've dug. <laughs> There's not a lot. There's this a couple. Is, all right, so you just pulled up another old article from Sot. Oh well, this is just another thing that, like, it just if if we if our viewers out there want more information about false flags and um, other oh, it's the podcast yeah mass shootings this especially is, have been connected of shady events of the past. This is a good podcast episode to check out. It's kind of dated, obviously, it's from 2014, but it has a lot of information about the stuff we were just talking about regarding yeah, So there's the a FBI. book that uh, I think Pierre, Joe, and Niall put together from SOT.net called Manufacture Terror, the Boston Marathon Bombing, Sandy Hook, Aurora Shooting, and Other False Flag Terror yeah, Attacks. Crazy conspiracy book. Also, it's basically it was, an anthology of a lot of their reports. On I haven't events. read it. I haven't read it, but I remember when they put this out and they got a lot of shit for it, and Amazon banned the book, I believe. I don't think it's up. Yeah, it's not yeah. on Amazon anymore. So you, yeah, you can't buy it on Amazon. So, you probably have to yeah. get a Red Pill Press. All the more reason to check that out. Um, all right, so I guess we want to move on a bit, or do you want to keep talking about DC um, and Let the me Feds? Let's see if they have it on here. Uh, I don't know if they do have it on here anymore. Well, you know, you direct them to the website if they're interested. They can go. Yeah, go to webpress.com. Buy their books. The book out. Yeah. They're great. I love their stuff. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, the Brett Weinstein stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, do we want to attempt say. to keep that together? Um, all right. So we'll. First right. of all, I have to play this clip from John Stewart. Yeah. So this this, this is, is a good lead in. All right. All right. Can, and then we'll, we'll decide if all of this is going to be YouTube safe or not. I'll decide later. Yeah. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has in many ways helped ease. Uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Stephen Colbert taking it back. Kind of he's like, hold on, let me sip from my... And he's like, no, don't spit on me. Listen, I'll, 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 I'll,
There's a novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then the national scientists are like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. And they're like, no. I, the pangolin kissed a turtle. Look at the name. Look at the name. Let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Show me your business card. So, business card. I want to coronavirus still has lab it. in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili this is what we sound like to people too, I'm sure. There's been an outbreak of chocolate. This, this is what we've sounded like for like a year, probably. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know, maybe a steam shovel, maybe with a cocoa bean. Or it's the you know i wanted to comment a bit on this so i'm glad you brought it up and one of the things i want to comment on although i like the skit i think it's funny um i've always sort of liked john stewart although i know he's kind of establishment and there's certain things that he's obviously not going to be able to say on tv but what kind of pissed me off about it i guess is that the fact that it took this it takes a, a mainstream person a comedian like him to come on television and to say this for people to finally be like oh uh -huh, yeah that's legitimate oh my right. god look at that like oh it came out of a lab look at that there were totally not people saying this for a year and a half who who you you shamed and and called all sorts of terrible horrible names right people who lost friends you know people who had family cut them off for talking about this sort of thing and we were correct and it's not like it's the type of thing we want to be correct about, but the point is it's really frustrating when you're the person crying out saying, guys, look, hello, look, shunned, 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 shut down, you know, blocked, censored, and then Jon Stewart can come out and as soon as he says it, it's legitimate now. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're allowed to talk about it, you, you won't get banned or censored anymore. It funny, I love the clip, but again, it, there's a part of me that's kind of pissed that yeah. it takes this sort of shit. You know, for people to wake to wake up and at least ask this freaking question. That, well, and I hey, also you know, I, I tend to think that this is the new fishy. Well, I think this is this is the new narrative they want pushed is that yeah. it was a accidental release yes. from the slab in Wuhan instead, instead of, a, of, of an intentional yeah. release of a bioweapon that was designed specifically to do what it did what it did yep and to justify everything that followed yeah including so. the changing of laws which allowed certain yeah. uh shall we say um suspending of civil liberties well no the changing of laws i mean like the changing of voting laws got you to make it easier for a certain someone for, to for certain people to manipulate the system to game the system to have the outcome that they that they really wanted yeah to get a certain someone out of office boy. so and it just it just <laughs> to me it, yeah. it's almost like it's almost like to suggest that this was an accident is even farther outside of the realm of possibility than it being intentionally and malevolently released and blamed on the chinese because the, the beauty about blaming the chinese too folks is that you know 
Chinese people, some of them speak English, but they most of their there is a language wall between the U.S. and China, and it does allow for the Chinese oligarchs to say things to the Chinese people about the U.S., but it also allows for the U.S. and Western oligarchs to say things about China that sort of get uncontested because. Uh, you know, there's there's no Chinese they, they could also just, advocates speaking they could back also in the be same pushing language. Another world war? Who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows? Well, it's just it's so much easier to scapegoat your you know the the oligarchs over there yes. than to be like, oh, it's us. Yeah. But we know, you know, the U.S. had ties to that lab and were funding this stuff. So, and I wanted to bring up even in that case, I wanted, to, like, I wanted to bring up the term gain of function, and you know, we're talking about how they're kind of trying to mask indications that perhaps this was deliberately let out and just say oh well it was an accident and then that'll be their way to sort of brush past it it's the same thing with like euphemisms with like gain of function you're saying oh well it's not a bioweapon we were developing viruses to make them more viral to test how they spread we weren't trying to create something that could spread that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense it's their bioweapons it's the that's same what thing. they are that's what they are so you know, accidentally leaked or not, the point is it got out, it was deliberately made by people, it was funded by this lab with Fauci was involved in, the US government was involved in, right? And they, they covered it up, they buried the information, they painted people like us as crazy conspiracy theorists for a year and a half, and now it comes out that there's legitimacy to this. So Right. So and yeah, it just here we you are. how can you trust these people yeah. when they keep lying to you and their lies keep getting exposed? And censoring. And on that note, yeah, so this is actually an older piece. Um, oh, I thought we were going to move on to Brett. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Brett. Uh, I don't have... So Brett's video... Ha Brett had two videos on his Dark Horse channel. Um, well, may maybe go to the Instagram first, and we'll, we'll start off this way. Right? Go to our Instagram, pull up this post, which I put on there, by Robert W. Malone, MD. So Robert Malone is the inventor of the mRNA vaccines and RNA as a drug. And he says, bench to bedside vaccines and biologics consulting. That's his bio from his Twitter. Um, he's Robert, a medical doctor, yeah, he's physician. A medical doctor, physician. He was one of the three people in this round table sort of talk discussion, you know, with Brent Weinstein. And who was the other guy? Um, so there were two videos that were pulled. The first one that was pulled was one with Dr. Pierre Corey, who was also a medical doctor. And they were physician. talking about the Iver drug. He was talking about the Iver drug. Which we can't and, say. Well, yeah, well, we probably shouldn't say. Um, and the second video was, was more this, of this roundtable discussion yeah. so with it was, Robert Malone, Brett Weinstein, and Stephen Kirsch. Stephen Kirsch, that was who I was trying to get. So, yes, this video goes up. Um, it gets almost to a million views. And it was up for a few days. Uh, actually, it was up for like a week. You and I watched it, and we also talked about it on our last episode, so go watch that. Um, it was removed. So all the more reason maybe you should go watch our last episode, which might get removed as well. They removed this video, and they talked about in the episode, too, of whether or not it would get removed. They weren't sure. I guess they were kind of testing the waters. But the point is, here's the inventor of this tech, the MR, you know, mRNA vaccines, sitting down to have a discussion about the risks of the jab and the side effects and the things that we're seeing, right? The increase in VAERS reports, all the stuff we've talked about with Brett, another scholar, and um, Steve Kirsch, right? Mm -hmm. What is his background? He's a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, so it's like these people having a serious discussion, right? Experts, too, in their respective fields, and not pushing one theory or another theory, but just having an open discussion. Video gets removed, it gets banned. So Robert tweets. He says, 
<clears throat> well, YouTube has now taken down the Brett Weinstein Dark Horse video involving Brett, Steve, and I after 798,000 views because it violated community standards. He goes on. Government censorship. I used to feel sorry for colleagues who were living in authoritarian countries that censor what people can see and read and what they are allowed to discuss. But now, here we are in the USA. The U.S. government is censoring free speech. Full stop. I am amazed, he said. Let that sink in. The guy invented, who invented the tech that these jabs, most of them, are using, can't talk about the risks of the jabs. But Daniel, it's not, <laughs> it's not the government that's censoring, it's YouTube. I just, my mind is blown. And, I, you know, I wrote something online about this. <laughs> I said, if you're not worried yet, you probably should be. This is a really, really bad sign. It's a harbinger of what's to come, and another indicator that those orchestrating it, all of it, are not following the science in the slightest, but something else entirely. Something sinister is motivating this agenda. Can you name any time in history when the people censoring and hiding information were the good guys? And I'll wait, you know, any, anyone wants to comment and pull up an example you know I'd be happy to look at it but I can't recall any myself but yeah you know this is this shit is crazy man I, I I wasn't shocked when it happened but at the same time I was a little surprised because I figured that you know having at least Robert Malone on and the guy who made up the jab tech they would let that video stay right and I think that I, I'm assuming that's what Brett himself also assumed and now here we are so yeah hashtag follow the silence is the new hashtag that brett came up with um yeah so tweet out a copy of this yeah. podcast with yep. hashtag follow the silence follow the silence tweet you know re share brett's stuff share our posts you know sh share these tweets by robert malone get the word yeah. out let Did people you know, know. About this too? You know yeah so this was also from a few days ago um, this from Disclosed TV, but they, you know, they cite the journal. They said, anyway, positive PCR test results do not sufficiently prove that people infected with SARS-CoV-2 can infect others with the coronavirus. Near research, new research that included 190,000 results from 160,000 people at the UDE Faculty of Medicine in Germany concludes. All right. And here's a, go to the next slide, next picture. Yeah, so this is this is the journal. This is the English version, but the paper is also in German. If you want to read it in German, I guess <laughs> that we have German viewers. We have it here too. Yeah, so this is the Journal of Infection, and the title of the study is "The Performance of the SARS-CoV-2 RT-PCR Test as a Tool for Detecting SARS-CoV-2 Infection in the Population." And yeah, a lot of these doctors here, you know, Andreas Stang, um, Johannes Robbers, Angela Spelsberg, you know. Okay. Scholars. The subtitle is a survey yeah. of routine laboratory RTPC results from the regions of Munster, Germany. So I wanted to read. I'm not going to go into the charts and all that Just stuff read because. The yeah, because the, or the, the conclusion. I'm going to read the conclusion because a lot or of. How about the results? Among the 162 yeah. some thousand individuals, 2.6% uh, of them had a positive RTPCR result, uh, defined as a, a, a cycle threshold of less than 40. Depending on the national test strategy, higher positive rates were associated with testing predominantly systematic people. Children, older adults, 
and children are considered this, and older adults are 70 plus, okay. So only 40% of test positives showed low CT values. You want to explain the CT because... So only there, so of the, of the tests that they did uh, that came out positive, only 40% of them were still positive when they reduce the cycle threshold on the, the device. So when they make the test more sensitive, uh, which is something that the CDC has recommended that they do now because they found that they were abusing the test. So when they, when they turned the, the sensitivity up on the test so that it was more likely to eliminate false positives, only 40% of them uh, still ticked. So what they're saying as a result is that the RT-PCR testing as a tool for screening people shouldn't be used alone as a base for making decisions about the pandemic, including measures such as quarantine, isolation, and lockdown. Because the thing is you have to have symptoms present in combination. Yeah. So, so this is a big change in the narrative from where previously when, uh, when, when glorious uh, ex-leader Trump was our president <laughs> they wanted to, to keep the numbers very high yeah. and so the standard was to have this higher right? for like some of them were it crazy was like it was like 40 cycles, some of them yeah. were 45 then, 60 you know, 70. A, a few months into biden's administration they're they like no it was like, it was 20 i believe it was like 20 days like 20 days into his administration so they like, changed yeah, their we standard can, we can lower the cycles now to reduce the cycle threshold to 25 or less anyway so, so the paper says i'm going to read more from from this conclusion here in light of our findings that more than half of the individuals with positive PCR test results are unlikely to have been infectious, RT-PCR test positivity should not be taken as an accurate measure of infectious SARS-CoV-2 incidents, right? And look, the asymptomatic claim was the claim used to mass mask everyone to get everyone socially distanced to close all these things down to say restaurants can only operate at this capacity or that capacity with no evidence right the asymptomatic claim was the primary claim right used to push that and here's they're showing that they're proving in here that that was bullshit our results confirm the findings of others that the routine use of positive RT-PCR test results as the gold standard for assessing and controlling infectiousness fails to reflect the fact that 50 to 75 percent of the time an individual is PCR positive, they are likely to be post-infectious, meaning they're not spreading it anymore. Asymptomatic individuals with positive RT-PCR test results have higher CT values, meaning they were tested with higher cycles and a lower probability of being infectious than symptomatic as the gold standard, oh sorry, than symptomatic individuals with positive results. Although CT values have been shown to inversely, to be inversely associated with viral load and infectivity, there is no international standardization across laboratories, rendering problematic the interpretation of our PCR tests when used as a tool for mass screening so I will just leave it there there's not much I really have to add to it but it just again it's one of these other things that goes to show we were saying this over a year and a half ago and you have a you know a background in microbiology you've you've worked with some of this tech before too right like you've worked in mm -hmm. DNA. Yeah. so 
you know, you were saying this a year and a half ago on the It's Bentley channel. Yeah, well, and, and also Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test, yes. said that PCR should never be used or, for diagnostic purposes. Want to pull it up? You might have to scroll down a little bit, but um, I do, uh, there's a picture of him, you'll find it. With his uh, exact quote, here it is. So this is from Kerry Mullis, right? He's the creator of the PCR test, and we've mentioned him before. He says, anyone can test positive for practically anything with a PCR test if you run it long enough. With PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It doesn't tell you that you're sick. The guy who invented the test. Just like the, we just saw the guy who invented mRNA vaccine. It's also being sensitive. Yeah, these right? are the experts. These, these are the, are the scientists. Who made this stuff. This and is the science, and people are not science. following it. They're not yeah. listening to it. They're just spouting lies in order to advance a power-driven agenda. Yep. And this is what it's the same thing that's done, and it's basically the same thing that they do in critical race theory and critical theory in general, critical queer theory. They will lie to you in order to justify whatever they want—power, wealth, you know, access whatever is in their agenda to get, they will lie to get it because that to them is moral and righteous. And it says in their mind, the ends justify the means. Yeah, it's all, it's all like signaling, you know, and they'll, they'll pander to whatever group they need to pander to. Like, for example, today is Juneteenth, so happy Juneteenth. But I see a lot of people posting about it for, some, for certain friends of mine who are just like, all of this feels like a, a hollow symbolic gesture. What does this do to help, say, the black community or, or you know, anyone who suffered as a result of racism? It's, it's just, it's, it's all a show, you know. It's, it's they're, they're using this to just pander to people and to get them to not ask questions to be like, oh well, here we'll throw you a bone. Look, we made you a new holiday. Stop complaining about the system. This was kind of funny too. You know? um, apparently, the AstraZeneca vaccine is not going to be sufficient for the people to get into Springsteen on Broadway. So not only do we have segregation based on whether or not you had a vax or not. Now they're segregated now, based on which type you are saying that if you don't get the, the approved, if you're the not correct on the, one, the, cool, yeah. the good ones, yeah. then you are you basically, are, it's like, well, why did these people get the AstraZeneca shot? Yeah. It's like, why was this even an option if it's not going to be, you know, it just, it just shows so much disconcern from the health of individuals. Yeah. And it's just like there, it's, propaganda that they're pushing down the throats of the youth too so the last thing i wanted to bring up um was that message that i got from a former student of mine um let me see it was one of the last things i posted on the instagram page so yeah i um i used to work as a substitute teacher i did it for a few years i don't work in the school system anymore but you know i have a lot of students who still follow me online and they see the things i do and once in a while they'll send me you know messages and, and things like this you know, so I have my little moles. Anyway, this particular student, shout out to that student. I hope you're well. Um, he says, look what's on my gym final. And then he sends me this screenshot. Um, in the screenshot is a question from his, his uh, final for gym class. And it says, all is true about Kofifi vaccines. Damn, I said vaccines. <laughs> I'm just like trying to avoid one oh, word. You were saying Sharscoff to yeah, the entire time. Whatever. You were reading stuff. I I mean I just figured they're gonna I, fly. I might I might just edit this the second section out of the We'll see. We'll I'll have see. to watch it. They might let us keep it up on I don't know. Anyway, no, the question do. he sends me the screenshot says all is true about all COVID vaccines except and then it gives you four options. One, they can cause infertility. 
I like how that's the first one they put in there. The formatting to, is also just, off, such that yeah. the, the first one yeah. is offset. Yeah. Offset, and so that it does stand out. Yeah, stand out, so they can clearly tell you which one they're and trying. It's the first one trying to get you to pick. Right. The second one says Elizabeth Public School students over sixteen can get it for free at the Dunn Sports Center. Obviously true. Three, they can make it more difficult to get infected with COVID and make you less sick if you do get it. Obviously true, right? There are, and then four, there are no proven long-term side effects. Because there's no, nobody studying that. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> right? Like, no side effects. Because anybody who get it is the study. No adverse reaction events. It's just insane. Nothing of that to look for. Obviously, the first answer is the one that's, you know, not true. So, you know, they can't possibly cause infertility. We're not even going to ask that question. We don't even want you to have that thought in your head. You know, just go get it. It's free. You're 16. Who cares if your mom or dad is okay with it? You can do it without their permission. That's totally fine. This is the type of freaking world we're living in right now. So I wrote this. Um, I said this is disgusting. It's criminal. Zero informed consent. Manipulating students into believing these shots are 100% safe, like none of the VAERS reports exist, that there hasn't been at least a 25% increase in, in deaths related to jabs, and so on. If you're okay with this being done to our youth, can you explain to me why? And if you want in the comments of this episode, I would love to hear your explanation why you think this is okay. People should have informed consent when being part of an experiment, which is what this is. And that means knowing if there are risks involved. Pretending that there are none at all related to these shots at this point is willfully ignorant, especially when many medical experts are already talking about it. These are crimes against humanity, especially removing parents from the equation and coercing teenagers who have little to no risk from this virus to get a new experimental concoction that we do not know the long-term side effects of without parental knowledge or consent. It's evil. Shame on anyone going along with this. Oh, this is definitely not going to stay on YouTube. Yeah. It probably won't, but you know what? I'm, I'm sick of it. I, it pisses me off. Well, and no, I mean, I'm just going to edit this. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, it really, it really angers me, man. Like, so just, all these young people being pushed towards getting this, and we don't know what it's going to do to them. How many of them are, are going to try to start families? So, and also, just to you give know, you guys an update on VAERS reports, uh, as today is the 16th, or the 19th of June, 2021, currently in VAERS, there is over a million reports That's worldwide, of adverse, right? no, this is just the U.S. Really? This is just the U.S. There's one million, over a million reports of ad, adverse events. Um, and typically when somebody registers an adverse event, it's a little bit more than like some minor pain and wow. swelling because if it's just a little minor pain and swelling, they, they don't, they don't make a VAERS report. So this updates from June 11th. This okay. through up through June 11th. Okay. So it's a week ago. I think it's updated. Weekly. But, but after our last episode, right? Yeah. So, and, and where we had thought there were 5,000 deaths logged last time. 15,000. The number's now up to 15,000. Up ten thousand deaths since we last talked about this. In like data. a week and a half. Ten thousand. It's just like Jesus Christ. Well, man. that could also just be like a, a, a like the log and, and filing. It could also be a you know it could be as a result of more people talking about it now. Maybe more people are reporting because one of the things we talked about 
last time was the fact that most people don't report these things. This only represent a, represents a percentage of the people who even report a death or an adverse reaction connected to a shot. Okay, so, so. I, I, I also misunderstood. It's, so the one million number is total events in VAERS? So I that guess? is global. That's no, that's not not global. This is just the U.S. This is no, just the U.S. Okay, but for all for all vaccine reports. Gotcha. Um, and for the Kofifi specific adverse reports, there's three hundred and fifty-eight thousand three hundred seventy-nine. Hmm. And there's about ninety-eight thousand hospitalizations related. Crazy. To uh, yeah. but you can't jobs. you can't talk about it. None of this information exists, guys. Don't pay attention to any of it. Not we're just, on YouTube. We're just fear mongers, as one of the commenters said. I had a commenter on the page called us fear mongers. Yes, we're I'm just fear mongers. I'm an anti-vax, conservative, <laughs> Trump-supporting homosexual. You evil bastard. Yeah, I actually maybe we could talk about it briefly. Yeah. I got kicked out of my gaming group because, or I didn't get kicked out. I sort of left. Yeah. Because. Well, People cannot handle That's what they want it. respectful disagreement. I don't understand why people can't just have a disagreement and talk and, and explain why they disagree and and discuss the disagreement. Yeah. It's like Without all of a sudden slapping a you, term on they you. have to turn you, they have to other you and then exile you from from the thing. And it's just like, I was just going to, I just left because I was it's Look, like a Discord server. It's but. the cool kids club. They're, they're with the hip new mainstream ideology. They don't like jabs. They they can't be associated. And I don't like with, critical race theory. They can't be associated with you, Brent, because then their other friends might think that they support that stuff. Oh my God, and that stuff's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can leave it there, folks. Yeah, um, I, I mean, there's other things I wanted to talk about, but I guess we can get to that stuff on the next episode. Um, you know, in regards to CRT and, and that stuff, there's a few things I wanted to bring up, but we're already at an hour and forty, basically. So and we we covered a lot of the stuff that Don't we had to like yeah. subscribe. We have been video. meaning to cover you know more stuff on. Tell your on, friends about the podcast. We've been meaning to cover more stuff on DC and the FBI. So I am glad we did this episode and kind of well, really the story. The story was focused. Huge. You know, it needed to be. I think we really needed to elucidate yeah. it and dig explain into it, it but also out. look at the patterns like we did and dig back into some of the older sources about FBI activities just to show that like. You know, what we're saying is not just some crazy theory that never happens. Like, there's plenty of substantiated documentation of the FBI being involved in these sorts of things. So it's worthy of you looking at and asking. And, and uh, you know, again, the same thing with the Brett Weinstein stuff. We recommend you go find that full discussion with him and Robert Malone and Stephen Kirsch, and you go watch it. You know, watch the entire thing. It's on BitChute. Yeah. Watch it because they don't want you to which means you should want to, right? Anyway, thanks for watching, guys. We appreciate everything. We just hit 100 on our YouTube, so awesome. Thanks a lot. And we just passed 500 on Instagram, so I want to bring that up again. Um, I'm Dan. I'm Brentley. Be sure to follow, subscribe, comment, like, share. Bye. Bye.